0: Well, hello everybody and welcome. It is time for Tech 37. And today we get to do security again and a whole new wealth of incredible speakers at the deep bench that I always speak of when it comes to worldwide technology is definitely on display today because we've got the big brains here to help us prioritize what we should be looking at, what we should be doing for 2022. Some of this, hopefully you can check through it and say, I've already been doing that or I could be doing it better, because I guarantee you're gonna get some ideas. We've never had such a wealth of resources available to us and thank gosh, these are the most challenging times I think I've seen, especially for security. So much opportunity and so much confusion, but these are the guys that are gonna help us sort this out. Welcome to the Priorities for Security. My name is Rob Boyd. This is Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration. Thanks for joining us. Well, gentlemen, we have got a lot of road to cover with a very short time period. I want to go briefly through introductions. Each of you could spend the entire 37 minutes on introductions alone with your backgrounds. But I'm going to start here at the top with uh, Mr. Shivers. Matt, will you give us a quick idea of your background as it relates to our topic today?
1: Hey, Rob. Thanks for picking it up. So I've been doing security for a little over 25 years um, in Fortune 25s, Fortune 50s, and been worldwide for here about a year. Looking forward to the conversation today.
0: Excellent. Thank you. And Mick, coming from a hotel room in some undisclosed location in the United States, <laughs> I think we can give that out, but don't judge by the accent. <laughs> Mick, what's your background? Uh,
2: <laughs> uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, Mick Cody, uh, I have been with uh Worldwide Technology, just about six, seven months, uh, just recently joined, Uh, I've spent about 30 years in various uh, (laughs) different consulting organizations and technology companies, and uh, I look forward to having a chat to you today.
0: Excellent, thank you, Mick. And Vin, please tell us more about yourself.
3: Yeah, thank thank you, Rob, honored to be here today with my colleagues and you. Um, Been in the technology and cybersecurity space for about 30 years, Uh, my focus is really on working with clients and solving their business problems uh, through cybersecurity and technology solutions.
0: Excellent. Well, you guys had the unenviable task of figuring out how to nail down priorities in a security environment where it feels like it's very difficult, I think, to any any kind of broad brush around thinning out the number of things that should or could be focused on. Uh, but these are the five that all relate to a research paper that we will link to at the end of the show. If you don't already see it in your uh, in your image, we don't go read it now, but you're definitely going to want to follow up. There's more details that the, these guys and the rest of the team that aren't on camera have been working on to share. But so as we look at these top five, these are the priorities and the order that we're going to go in. Then, since you already have the microphone, do you mind kicking us off with our first one on uh, cyber resilience? Why? Cyber resilience,
3: yeah, so um I think one of the key questions that everybody asks is what does cyber resilience really mean? and and it, in many ways, I would say that cyber resilience is core to, to a business's business resilience, mm. right? And very simply put from a definition is your ability to minimize critical and core business operations when you're under attack or when you have a cyber event, whatever the case may be. And I think when you look at it from a high level and directional perspective, one has to think of cyber resilience is taking your cybersecurity model, which has traditionally been reactive and moving it into a proactive model, right? So really when you start thinking about that, you start thinking about the four pillars that you really need uh, to work through it, right? So you wanna kind of anticipate, withstand, recover and adapt. Okay. So when we talk about each one of these anticipate is just really the proactive processes that you put in place, like ensuring you identify the critical applications, data systems, you do things like threat modeling, make sure you're abreast of the threat landscape, you know, because it's constantly changing, right? Today, right. It may be ransomware, you know, tomorrow, it may be something else so you've got to stay on top of that and then withstand is really having the ability to attack um, the situation when you when it occurs right so it could be planning around uh, incident response planning ensure your business processes are robust to handle that some people may even include having some cyber deception in the works when you are under quote unquote attack is to take that approach of doing it And then the third part is often these things require us to have a recovery model. So find a way to use a recovery solution, right? You hear the term cyber vault out there very traditionally today. And what is really a cyber vault? A cyber vault is storage, but what is really key is how that cyber vault is used. It's something that you've got to air gap from the rest of your environment, ensure that malware doesn't come into that area, And you need to focus on backing things up from a business process and service perspective. Um, When I say that, you know, traditionally backups are done based on systems, data applications. But when you think of a business process, you know, I use the example of if you've got a warehouse that's involved with shipping, recovering your Oracle database is great and important. But if that little software that prints the label to put on the boxes is not available, you know, what's the use in having that? So it's really taking that whole business process uh, and ensuring you've got it vaulted and it's for the critical and most important things to your business. It's not
0: everything. Yeah. And these are, these are, these are critical personal questions that each business is going to answer differently. But I think to draw out the key point you're making here, and this was something we talked about previously, as I've been, you know, Hearing you guys use resilience, cyber resilience, not that it is different than cybersecurity. It seems like it's more encompassing and it's a cultural or a mind shift that says focus on what it takes to be up and running in terms of your threats versus, you know, because everything else ultimately doesn't matter. And so it, it seems funny that we would even have to call it out. Um we can come back and recap on certain things. One thing about cyber resilience, I think it it, it seems to uh, also speak to a lot of these other topics. And Mick, I want to come in here and Matt, I'm trusting you're going to jump in wherever needed uh, because Mick, I love the way you describe things. But when we talk about adoption of zero trust, feels like a buzzword, feels like something we've heard before. The fact we're going to have a couple of buzzwords in here that I expect you guys to tell us why we're still using them and why it's still important wherever necessary. But Mick, what about zero trust here?
2: Yeah, uh, thank you, Rob. I I think one of the things that goes into it, it it has been a wee bit buzzworded to death, right? And and unfortunately, it is a legitimate thing, and it's an approach, it's it's an architecture, it's a methodology to what you want to do next. And I I always defer to it saying, to a point and degree, it's about 22nd century networking, right? We we started where we were in the 90s, in the early 90s. We've, We've shifted from token ring to LAN, WAN. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi only, you know, we're looking at all the edge, mobile edge functions of what we do today. But in this particular case with Zero Trust, it sets you up in in an architectural reference architecture that lets you zone out things based upon human beings connecting to what they need to do for business, right? At the end of the day, it's how you get to that application. What are the layers that must be passed through uh in certain cases. And instead of it going through quote unquote layers, is what we used to say as you know defense defense in depth from a layer perspective, we move to a different type of uh, vernacular when it comes to saying zoning, right? Okay. Where am I going to put specific things, people, human beings, reference functions tied to their business, the orientation of their business, and how do they get access to those specific pieces of data, applications, and all the things they need to do with their job. In essence, too, is to make sure that we in security Try to be as seen as 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 least as we can yeah, right exactly. we don't need to be front right the the the, the idea is as, as a lot of these technologies are advanced over the past 10 15 years since i've been doing a lot of implementation work has really helped that you know kind of that part of the conversation to move forward does that make sense
0: i i think so because the zoning you talk about obviously it's very virtual but this is these are it feels like mm-hmm. a maturation of the uh, role-based access control kind of going, moving forward <clears throat> and combined with network segmentation, which we've been preaching for years because vendors have not always mm-hmm. made it super easy, especially when we talk about the disparate environments and we've got cloud versus prem, and some very big decisions being made about where things reside, but you're talking about zero trust being something that is independent of those because the policy needs to yeah, be you're, independent, right?
1: when you're looking at cyber resilience and, and zero trust, you know, the application on the perimeter is not something that most clients are, are, are focused on. It's the legacy mindset from a security standpoint is surprising in 2022 that a lot of corporations still have a legacy mindset on defensive perimeter, defensive posture. Right. So these are two, I'm almost saying both of them are buzzwords today. We've been doing it for years right? as a practice on what we do. But customers are trying to figure it out. And what's helpful right now, and I don't know, you guys let me know, most of the customers might come across, there is a big change that's happening because of these, these two things. The business is now getting entrenched in technology for the first time in my career. Yeah. Usually business sits on the other side of the wall of technology and just wants their stuff. They don't care how it works. They just want it to work. Now, because of federal regulations, because of things that have happened in the world, Business is coming on the inside now and saying, hey, we need to be more resilient. We need a better zero trust posture. They're at least able to talk in the terms of asking, can we get more? What can we get? Whereas before, technology was coming over the wall going, hey, we need some money. (laughs) We need more support. And it was hard to have that conversation. Today, it's a lot easier. Wouldn't you guys say?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that goes into that whole part of it, right? I, I think when you start talking about treating their zone or their point to your point, Rob, micro segmentation has been around for, you know, forever and a day, but it's kind of organizing it now in a, in a a basic set of principles that allows the roles, the human beings to connect directly to, you know, through a specific set of hops, jumps and leaps to get them to what they need to, but also in certain cases, expedites how they get there. Right. You don't have to pass through so many jumps, hurdles, Constant being, you know, logging, logging, relogging, pushing for MFA. You know, it, the SSO things are, are are not working. There's a lot of those parts that I'm. You're just you're pulling it up, right? So that's where we're going with the maturing of the identity and access, right? You've seen a huge shift in in culture in those particular technologies with a lot of the the OEMs that we work with today, um, where they're where they're kind of breaking down those walls or helping us break down the walls of what has traditionally been how we've done. You know, I'll call core identity management uh, from traditional provisioning, deprovisioning. And governance to what we now are expecting them to do to kind of be a platform where you can come in from the edge and continue to be you know carried through with you know i think the the new terminology that's coming out right now that in the high end of the maturation of what we're doing is seeing passwordless right there's a yeah, lot of fuzziness but that's all well and good but again your posture internally has got to be set straight and 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 well Uh, I'd say the telemetry of all the aspects of what you're doing for your applications and the human beings within your core identity sources, like an active directory, or you're doing in those particular spaces, they just have, your your house has to be in order as you approach Zero Trust. Um, I've done a lot of different phase zero, phase one, two, and three in the early stages of implementation. And in certain cases, we can get bogged down and stopped at any given stage if we find out, you know, a subset of groups or parts of active directory and or your human resources sourcing of where we find the identities and the roles and all those parts are not in order also that has a, that has created stop gap if you say before you're, you're continuing forward so
1: and, and i think every customer we have every every i'd say fortune 500 customer we have has uh, a larger need around just the size of the data they have to manage their unstructured data is larger than it's ever been before their structured data is larger than it's ever been before and they have not caught up on how to manage that and, and also how to use it. One thing we don't ever talk about in our industry uh, or I talk about enough is with security, we can help you use that information in ways that you're not using it before. It's a way to get the business to understand there's it's not a cost. It's cost prohibitive. Right. Yeah. We can give you information about things that you're you know, but you don't know because the data will tell you things that you're not using it to tell you. So these are not just strapping brakes on your business, right? They help you with those kinds of things as well.
0: I love that you brought brakes up because my old, my old way of referring to this, and it's very old and I'm sure it's going to be used, but it's this notion of, you know, we focus on big engines and fast cars, but I guarantee you, even though we don't focus on it much, if you did not have good brakes, you would not drive that car very fast if at all That's right. and so <laughs> That's right. you know the better the brakes are the faster you're comfortable going uh someone was going to tell you in. Stewart
1: didn't care
2: about that but yeah, yeah. He, you know he would just use a crash to break but yes <laughs> yeah right. it's easier but, but and, and i think i think a lot of it too and and i, I kind of had thought about this in a different way of, of where we see chief security officers having to consistently from i'll say over the past 10 to 15 years that you know people will come can i get access to this no can i have this no can i have this no 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 and yeah. to matt's point right the the answer of no needs to have a k and a w put on the either side of it right and it drives to a knowledge-based decision on what you do right i want to know What i'm going to do to hand you this access to do what you need to do for your job i'm doing it in a a way that creates you know a concatenation of compliance that allows me to watch what you're doing creates governance and all the aspects of what you're looking for a much more mature identity effort um but you know an awful lot of people are still struggling with the with the old ways what we did with identity versus where we've got to a lot quicker. Those identity engagements back in the old days used to take two to three years. Today, not many businesses will suffer kind of going through that 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 kind of an effort anymore. Right. They want to see outcomes, business outcomes, that zoning towards your business. I want my identities up and running for 9,000 people in a subsection for manufacturing. Those are the expectations, so you better deliver them.
0: I going to see like a tap on Vin's shoulder. I feel like he wants to say something. Vin, jump in. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no,
3: no. No, 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 no. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't agree more with what uh, Mick and Matt have said. Um, you know, I think it's 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 very very critical that you know when you look at zero trust because it has so many aspects to it that 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 you look at IAM as one of it, right? The simple way I tell people is, you know, it used to be everybody went into an office, you know, right or wrong, agree with it or not, the pandemic has completely changed the equation, right? We all work from home or hotel rooms, um, you know, and, and most of us are are hardly in the office anymore, right? I mean that is you know part of the time that we go there so when you look at something like zero trust it goes away from what the old mindset that matt talked about and and you know iam becomes more critical because now you're assigning people security based on job roles job functions and those types of things as opposed to just i'm in the office i can have access yeah
0: which is more perimeter based right which is you cross this threshold you must be okay and now you're talking about we need security policy that that uh, accurately travels with the person with the data and with the actions that they're taking in such a way. And as, as I think Mick had brought up earlier too, it's a matter of provisioning and then deprovisioning because we need to remove rights just as fast as we add them. It, or, and that's not just for people leaving the companies, people changing roles. You don't want mm-hmm. a- access creeping up as people have worked in a company. You know, we all have examples of those people. Oh, I almost put my computer to sleep as I got excited. Yeah,
1: you think you think about all the the, the last Ten or fifteen global breaches that have happened, and then compare that to three years ago. I say pre-COVID, mm-hmm. a majority of people were coming to the office in the big corporations. You know, they scan your stuff. You come in through security. You uh, only use the the network local. You know, all these things have changed now, where your employees got you know access to two or three different networks that aren't secured, yeah. and all of their devices are sitting inside that domain. So there's a, a whole bunch of countries and script kitties and everything in between out there that understand what what now is more open than ever before. Right. Yeah. Your your IAM solution, you need to be close to having it automated, right? Yeah, and I think because that's an have end goal with time the lot of it, right? to recover all of the the devices now that are open to the network because they're not in your office. They're at home.
0: Well, and, and Matt, you brought up earlier before I switch over to Mick on this next point for number four, but you'd brought up something really important uh, when we were <clears throat> kind of building up to the, the live show here. Uh, but it was this notion of, um, now I'm trying to remember what it was. I'm just trying to complete blank. Either way, Matt, you said something important. I'm going to remember what it is in just a second when for some reason I'm <laughs> under the pressure and Thank I can't.
1: Taking down the sewage systems? Yeah. Well, there was taking down the sewage.
0: It wasn't even something you probably remember as being great, although that is a good one. Uh, but I-, I I will come back to it. I don't know why it's it's eluding me. But Mick, bail me out here. A sassy solution. No, no, yeah. Oh my gosh, Mick, sassy. Have we heard enough about sassy, and now we're hearing it may not be sassy anymore? Maybe not for everybody. Can you let us know what's well, important yeah. to understand? Yeah.
2: Well, oddly enough, it's kind of funny you bring that up. So <clears throat> even from a different perspective, and not talking about ourselves as a company by any standards, because I know we're we're talking about this. But it is very interesting. You know, that as of January, you know, a new. Brand, we'll call it of SSE, has has been launched into the marketplace, right? And we almost call it, you know, it's evaluating Sassy without the A, right? So, so there's a couple of things. We just recently published an article on that particular topic, and it's called, you know, what's what is Sassy? Sassy, you know, is SSE without the A. But when you look, we're going back to, to to looking at these solutions. I think an awful lot of people, again, because of where we're going with the perimeter, less kind of an approach and everything else that goes into it. What are we looking at for access on the secure edge, right? And the edge technically in, in a broader context is going away, right? Yeah, yeah. From an infrastructure, that's what happens. So as people are evaluating, there are a tremendous amount of, of options out there in, in the vendor space to kind of fit a, and fulfill a a need that, that it's going to be tied into. And and I think when people are starting to evaluate SASE, and I'll pull Vin in for this part as well, is not to forget how you're triggering on or what you're gonna do when it comes to software-defined networking, right? So the SD-WAN parts of the platforms has to be kind of looked at sometimes wholly separately, but also from a platform perspective of where you think you're gonna go on your future journey as you continue to adopt what you're gonna do with SASE next. So, you know, I I think as we've seen people look at the criteria of what they're doing, what do I have in-house? Who are my set section of vendors who I know have a function or set of platforms? Or do they not have that part of the Swiss Army knife uh, what it is to trigger or flip on you know through a toggle button i want to i want to open up sd WAN in conjunction with sassy what does that look like what are your platforms and if i have a stop gap, who can fulfill that need that's reasonable cost effective and allows me to do what i need to do kind of again very seamlessly not to be seen so vin
3: yeah so yeah i, I think you know great points Mick. and and i think one of the things that one has to really worry about is is really you're taking what was traditionally think of it as your WAN pipes and you know things like that, and you're now spreading it out because you've got cloud providers, you access through one path, you've got people working from home, all these different paths. And you know, traditionally the remote people use something like VPN, which worked well, but as you get into this more distributed model of your computing and data resources being spread across the globe. You know you've got to find new ways to embed your security within the location because for example before you could say oh if you come from this ip address which is corporate headquarters you allowed access well now you're maybe coming from your home right and yeah. home could be outside the united states uh how do you how do you control all of that right so mm-hmm. it's really about embedding the security model within your wide area network, just like you do with an IAM concept, you know, where you have active directory to authenticate the systems. So here you're kind of taking that security model and embedding it into that wide area services, if you will. Not wide area network, but because but, the edge is no longer at the corporate site or the data center, right? right. The edge is everywhere.
1: Yeah, the sandbox used to be uh, the trap coming in the building. Now it's it's global. Global
0: sandbox, yeah, and what and and uh, Mick flashed there because he was thinking sand trap, um, but he meant yeah, <laughs> sandbox, which is different, yeah. but yeah. No right. golf. <laughs> will limit the, the golf, golf references. That
1: guy
2: never lands in the, in the so
1: trap, okay. man. Come on.
0: The
2: yeah. Madness. So yes, the golf has already started on a Wednesday. We don't get to have that as a treat in the PGA. So there you go. <laughs>
0: I never. Yeah, I never met a trap that I didn't enjoy. Um, the, um, but but I think what you're saying too. We talk about S A S E, and then you drop the A you know, and sometimes we think Gartner or others that come up with this terminology is pushing the market in a certain direction, but this is really what you've seen customers doing, which is making, saying, I can't unify everything all at once is what maybe what you're wanting me to do with SASE, but there are benefits of the wide area networking changes and benefits to the security model, but due to legacy architectures, perhaps there are different architectures that become in between pursuing something else. It feels like where you build towards more of this, uh, because if you're a bigger company, you can't simply change everything on a dime, uh, uh, you know, and and you guys specialize in working with the most complex organizations that we can never name on this show. Um, no, and I, and, I, uh,
1: and I think both of the guys could probably list a couple of different frameworks that would take you down a different path. Yeah. For a mm-hmm. solution, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's all like you have, and when you change that framework. Mm-hmm. So one thing we haven't brought up, and I just want to kind of take the top four things we've talked about. You have CISOs that average, One, two, three, maybe years at a place and you start down a path for any of these services Mm -hmm. and then you change the framework, right? Due to a compliance issue, due to an audit, due to something that's there, it takes them backwards, right? Really, the only way to make any of these things work is if you put a stake in the ground and you say, this is what we're going to do. And then you just keep trying to enhance it. That's how you become resilient. And And this is why we do what we do is because we know there's that churn yeah. So that somebody can stay and hold that post and keep this thing going for for the customers, because they do have the churn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Was there something else Mickey you wanted to say on that one?
2: No, I, I just think it comes back to the the evaluation of what you're doing and how the market is switching the terminology or vernacular, right? I, yeah. I think one of the things that I'll defer back to, and it was easy for me to read it when one of our infrastructure brethren had put this document together, was it's kind of like a pizza pie, right? and one half of it is sassy one half of it is ssc but there are overlapping layers of different parts of whether you have cheese pepperoni and different parts that are needed on both sides of the pizza but then there are some things that you come in from the infrastructure side that are always going to be needed on the sassy side that may or may not need it or be as required on the ssc side and it, it becomes more of a security protocol and specific, uh, you know, vendors and solutions that we've seen out there. There are a lot of good ones right now who've taken the the bull by the horns with SSC and have a have a story that's tied to it, where they allow themselves to play on both sides of that that pizza pie. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to I want to move over to you, Vin, uh, to kick us off on this one. Have you guys? Because I'm glad you put this on the list. I always think of IoT, but really, you had me thinking in our previous conversations much deeper than just IoT in any kind of a traditional sense, but really about manufacturing and some of the systems that we kind of take for granted, but can have a lot of effect. Can you explain what's important about this bank in the priority list?
3: Yeah, so industrial control systems, you know, forms part of the IoT space, but traditionally it has been managed outside of the IT space, right? Mm -hmm. People refer to it as the OT space, right? right? Operational technology. Uh, And there are some models out there like the ISA 95, otherwise known as the Purdue model uh, that fill there. But traditionally what has happened is there's always been a very strong line of demarcation, right? Okay, this is IT, you guys can't go in there and touch it. And often in OT, what you find is very critical items, um, you know, power grid infrastructure, manufacturing floors, you know, all of those kinds of things that that just hit home for a company. And very often there is no security around it. And and. Most of the time, companies will say, "Well, I'm not allowed to touch that because we are IT. Yeah. You know, OT is separate." But you know, it goes back to that saying, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link, and very often, those industrial control systems become the easiest way um, for bad actors to get into an environment. And so, even if you have to keep certain things going, you know, that are legacy systems, one of the things you can do is, you know you can apply things like micro segmentation or just segmentation to create some barriers right so instead of giving open access you can build jump hosts to get into those layers you know you can put some firewalling between the IT and OT layers mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do it but too often uh, it is probably in most companies the single biggest risk that they face and I think That's when amazing. you look at it from a risk perspective, you know, it's it's 95% of the time, you'll find that they're like, okay, but we can't stop production. And there's great ways that you can go mitigate the risk, you're not going to eliminate it, but you can uh, mitigate it. And, and, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, other things, a lot of these fall under, you know, what we take for granted, right, I think uh you know matt talked about the sewage system you know as, as we joked about it right I stop mean, that in my that city out. and
0: chaos will result exactly yeah
3: yeah chaos yeah. and you know illness will, will carry through you know power grids you know uh gas delivery you name it right i mean all of these things mm-hmm. uh can be very very critical and and you know for for companies manufacturing right i've got a uh, a friend and colleague, you know, who who works with a lot of manufacturing. And he's like, you know, we can't touch it. But we've got so much risk in that space. But, you know, we can't stop it. So, you know, it's like, how do we come in? Yeah. And how do we get people to mitigate the risk? Right. Reduce it. You know, and I think I, I
1: think we, take- we look at
3: this world, we, we
1: look at this world and we think, uh, you know, the heroes out there are, are your firefighters, your teachers, your police officers, your military. Uh, you know the people that are, are front line of defense. I've been in this business long enough. So has Mick, and so has Vin. I mean, everything Vin just said. Those people lose sleep at night. The the person that runs the gamma center for the hospital, uh-huh. worrying if somebody can tap into that and increase the amount of that flow when somebody's under that gun the next day. Right. I mean, there are thousands of examples where people are trying to prevent catastrophe. Yeah. On a 24 by seven, 365 basis. And I think sometimes we just forget about that. And, you know, the three of us, we, we do think about that. Those are the people we meet with. Those are the people we think about. And we think about it from that perspective. Everything we've just talked about takes a person, a technology and a process. And it's hard to get those three things to work the right way all the time. And the
2: enemy just needs to get it right once. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I would tell you, I think a bigger part of this is also just coming back up a layer is is also looking at the convergence of it, right? So uh, the convergence between IT and OT has been going on probably for the past five years, but there's a lot of chief information officers who are struggling with kind of taking it. You remember, you, you, you're you advancing into a space, and, you know, and we talked about industrial control systems, they exist, to Matt's point, not, not just in the traditional places of oil and gas, SCADA systems, um, your traditional places of manufacturing floor plan, you're also talking about hospital systems, right? Where all of these technologies have today, where you drop in a CT system, where you drop in a, a PAX machine to, to do imaging, those things are now sitting live on a network, right? They used to be sitting on the right? side, they had their own server, you used to pick up your images, they'd be on a CD, that image, all of that information now is sitting live on a network, right? And it, it changes the dynamics of what you can do and how you get to people's information and or a window into a network there where they basically have gone about, and they do, they've done this in, in oil and gas, where both in oil and gas and in healthcare, you've, you've got the shadow IT effect basically, oh, Rob, yeah. that that yeah. Has, has allowed you know, the ITOT thing. So OT, oh, no, no, I want you over there. No, no, you stay over there on your side of it, right? But it goes back to yeah. the first thing that we talked about. When You operate, operationalize or start to look at zero trust modeling. To, to Vin's point, micro segmentation makes a lot of sense because you can keep these, things in, in a specific area, but allow access back and forth to let you do your uh, business. The yeah. big thing people are to air gap it. They do all these things to block it. That's, that's not a reasonable approach, right? You have to have these things enter. They're feeding algorithms, and they're feeding, in the case of oil and gas, feeding telemetry back to people when it comes to fuel flows up and down the pipelines and what they have to do, so it feeds their SAP system so they can go out and bill, right? So when they're trying to do some billing. So that's where... When, when you're, you're gonna see a convergence between these two things coming, I think an awful lot of the technology they go there and find it, the asset inventorying, the the telemetry to find what's mapped to each asset how it's being done. The more and more that technology evolves and the more and more CIOs become comfortable with it, the more and more chief security officers get in the room and they'll start treating those assets as another just asset that is part of their business that has to be managed you know, and measured on a regular basis like any IT asset.
0: Well, here's the here's the thing that I'm reminded of. Here is that it we've made it it's so easy to add things to the network, and anybody can do it. You don't have to go through IT <laughs> right. anymore to to put something on the network, and you know because you brought up shadow IT, which is you know all these cloud-based services. Employees and you know individuals have never had more ability to kind of solve their own problems and move forward, but that becomes uh, but, which is good in many ways, but also can, if, if you don't enable your teams to do what they need to do in a secure manner, then, then it is easy in some situations to go around them. Um, and so if you right. shut everything off, like you say, then that's not the answer either. Uh, but I am now reminded what I, what, what Matt had said to me, but it was this notion of most people, Matt, and correct me if I'm, if I'm wording this wrong, but you've so many customers that have trouble answering the question. Do you know what all is on your network? Do you know all the devices on your network? Uh, do you have that level of visibility? Uh, am I wording that correct, Matt? Did that, is that. Yeah. I, mean, I, you said
1: a I, had a, I had a customer one time that didn't even know how many networks they actually had, they'd done so many acquisitions in a, in a span of three years. Oh my God. Yeah. Acquisitions. They, There's another they had data centers on different networks. They had stuff in the DMZ. They didn't know about it's it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's so much churn and so much turnover. Nobody we talked to yeah. today built their environment. Yeah. Nobody we talked to today bought every tool that's in their environment. Nobody we talked to today hired every person that's running their environment. Yeah. And so getting a a baseline <laughs> for all of these discussions, that's that's hard to do. Security <laughs> uh,
0: security is the gift that keeps on giving, man, cuz you know, no <laughs> it, matter it, what it, you guys it, do.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I advise every client, before we do anything, let's try to get some advisory here. Let's find out where you are, <laughs> what you yeah. have, yeah. and what you're doing with it.
0: Yeah. How many people do run after something without first understanding where they are? Yeah. Uh, because that is our natural human motivation, which is to just run after something. And, and I, I kind of get where we are. Well, no, we don't. We, we've got departments that don't talk to each other. We've got all these silos that are still running their own fiefdoms, kingdoms, I think you called it, Matt, earlier for me. Um, you know, And these things aren't helping us make better decisions, but there are tools, there are processes, there are people, people such as yourselves and the teams that you guys represent that are here to help. I want to bring this up because hopefully it's going to come through. This is is the uh, uh, security research paper that a lot of this show is based on. I encourage everybody to get a look at this. It's right on the WWT website. Uh, Most of you should already be all logged on as you're watching this so you shouldn't have to uh, get on there. But you're going to want a WWT.com registration regardless because you can follow these gentlemen, you can follow the incredible amount of information like this that gets published because there are more details and organization behind what, what we were talking about here, how it all circles around cyber resilience, and it becomes a launch point as you go into the different topics that this uh, provides underneath wwt.com provides access to labs. Get your you can set up stick time to understand what these things look at. You can go back to worldwide and say, I need to understand how these technologies work together. Can we do proof of concept and figure out? Or here's where we are. So I feel like you guys and you remind me of this each time. Is that you guys are like um, a therapist? I feel like in that you've got to have a certain degree of. Can you just lay on, you know, ask this, the, the CSO, just lay on the couch for a minute, man. Tell me, tell me what's keeping you up at night. And, uh, you know, we're going to work this out together. We've got people, I've got a lot of people right behind this door that are going to come in at the appropriate time to help you out. And that's one thing I love about what you guys do is you that know a lot what the of problem us with that out. is.
1: Yeah. You, you know what the problem with that is? I think you guys, they do, they tell you.
0: Yeah. Oh, they will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, <laughs> then they want your help solving it. Well, gentlemen, we're, we're right at time. Um, uh, Mick, I was told to ask you about, but we don't have time to get into this now. I was told that if you could relate the uh, the uh, security to your golf game. Uh, they said that they said that is something you are prepared to do, but I didn't leave enough time for us uh, on this one. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. Was that you? Oh, was that you that blamed him? Yeah, I'll take yeah, ownership of that. They told me. <laughs> this is what happens when you sometimes you miss certain pre-meetings is everybody, everybody uh, says, here's some dirt you can share. Uh, I know other- a couple
1: of guys have played golf with Mick. Yeah. And I told him I can cure his swing. He just needs to play with me one time, and I can cure his swing.
0: Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> hey, one other thing I want to mention real quick, because I didn't make this joke earlier, but and Vin brought this to our attention. Uh, Vin wanted to call this show The Tex 37 uh, yeah, instead right. of Tech 37, because let's see, uh, right here in North, north Texas, uh, Matt, you're up here north of Dallas. Yeah. I'm north of Dallas. Vin, you're north of Dallas. Vin is normally in Sugar Land, north of Houston, or is that east of Houston? No, 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 I'm in Dallas. I'm in Dallas. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, Mick, yeah. No, Mick is in Sugarland. Yeah, Mick is in Sugarland. Did West I say it wrong? I apologize. Yeah, yeah but not today. No, no, You're a, not. You're in some undisclosed yeah. location in the U.S. We got that much. We weren't going <laughs> to say I'm listening are. and
2: doing things with my clients. Trust me.
0: <laughs> there are people who want to know. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for taking the time to join us and, and shed some light on these topics. Thank you for working to. To, to publish this, this research paper. This is the kind of stuff that we use to get smarter, make better decisions for our business, to our audience. Please take advantage of these resources at www.t.com. Follow these individuals, follow topics. You can do that as well and just kind of be alerted when new information is put out, like as was mentioned earlier. What happened to the A in SASE? We dropped it. It's now got SSE. It's a potential option. It's an architectural, it's a name for an architectural direction that may be appropriate for you, but that's the point. These guys have answers to your questions. Encourage you to work with them and their teams to to make sure you're doing the right things for yourself in 2022 and beyond. Thank you so much for watching Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. We'll see you on the next one.